Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 1st, 2019, not really, today late, but, and you're listening to the best Anti-Up podcast on the sea. I'm Scott Long, Chris Casenza is pruning a tree somewhere. And uh, we are aboard the Adventure of the Seas at the very end of a fantastic eight-night cruise. And um, we got an interesting panel of folks here. we got a, a long-time cruiser. we got a first-time Antioch cruiser. Elliot, of course, is here. And then, of course, me in the background. So we're just going to go around and introduce yourself so everybody knows who matches the voice. So we'll start here with Yeah, it's Sean, Sean Hamstra from Michigan. I've been listening to Annie up for like 10 years. First 10 time years? The, yeah. Excellent. First wow. time on the cruise. Yeah, in that first year, I spent the whole time catching up on all that. And you, uh, you brought your wife, and it's your eighth yep. wedding anniversary, is that correct? Yep. Wow, yep. congratulations. Yep. So we went on a cruise on our honeymoon, and now we're back here. Very so, nice. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. Good, good. I should have asked you that before I had you on the show. But <laughs> took a little chance there. But. All right, Joe, tell people who you are. Joe Bullard, long-time cruiser, probably the 10th or 11th. Can't count which one anymore. Oh, you've been on more than that, I think. But, well, yeah. I'm just Andy, yeah. We've had 36 cruises already, so... Uh-huh. I've only done, I think, 10. Mm, I'm going to double-check that math when we get home, but yeah. all right. <laughs> Sounds we'll say at least 10, at least 10, at right? At least 10. Easily. <laughs> all right, Elliot. Hi there. I'm Elliot Schechter, a longtime uh, Call the Floor columnist for Annie Up Magazine, contributor to the podcast, and a uh, longtime cruiser. Uh, uh, my shipboard uh, life has been pretty good, and, well, glad to be here. All right, well, I like about this uh, little panel, it's called, <laughs> you randomly put together here. Is we, Sean's on his first Andy Up cruise, about a long-time listener. Joe's on his more than 10th cruise, I'm sure, I promise you, so he can give you that long-term perspective. Elliot's been on probably this is five or 35. six. Uh, about an Andy Up, though. Seven for Andy Up. Seven on Andy Up, and of course, I've been on 34 of the 36, so... <laughs> I outrank you all, but uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the cruise a little bit. We've, we've had a lot going on this last uh, seven nights um, and give you a little flavor of the cruise from all kinds of perspectives in case you're thinking about joining us in the future. Uh, but I always like when Elliot's available to chat so we can chat about some industry stuff because uh, I know you guys love firing off Call the Floors. In fact, uh, Sean, you were just on the show a couple weeks ago. Was it Call the Floor or Listener? Uh, both. Both. All right. Yeah, it has so. that bounty. That's bounty right. That was split. 
And uh, we may have uh, Jonathan joining us, too, who was on that same show with you as well, too. But he's right now uh, railing his wife, who's uh, in the final three of the main event. So didn't want to take him away from that. So <laughs> I was out in six. Out in six. Oh, yeah. all right. Well, uh, the here's the thing. When you go home, just tell folks you final table the main event. They're never going to ask you how many people yeah, or whether you, you made any money or not. So. There you go. Um, all right. So um, I, just a couple things I'll say from my perspective on this cruise. One, this is a cruise that I've been waiting for since we uh, – we, I first saw it on the schedule, and I immediately sent our agent the information. And I'm like, God, I hope we get this. Uh, as uh, folks listening probably don't know, it's actually really difficult to book these cruises. So uh, at the beginning of the year, I put together a list of all the itineraries that we can go on. Obviously, we use the history of which ones have sold well in the past, which ones haven't, and narrowed it down. We check our competitors, make sure we're not overlapping, although interestingly enough, uh, tomorrow, card player leaves from the same port that we're coming in, <laughs> and next week, ship it cruises leaves from uh, the same port we just came in. So those folks don't play nice like we do. But um, anyhow, so it, it's very complicated. And then also we have to deal with the fact that um, if another group has booked the conference center space, and it's not a poker group always, sometimes it's uh, sewers or somebody else. So we don't uh, we don't always get our first choice. Sometimes we don't get our first five choices. So we have to do what we can. But this one I really wanted to get. I'm glad we got it. And the reason I liked it is it's that really rare eight night cruise that we don't have haven't had before. And it's a weekend to weekend. So folks that have jobs, I feel bad for you guys. But uh, for those of you who have real jobs, uh, you only have to take five days off of work to to come on here. And then great ports that we don't have to, uh, that we haven't made it to in a long time. So I want to talk uh, with our our guests here about experiences they had um now from my perspective we went to four ports uh, labadee which is royal caribbean's private oasis i keep calling it an island because it's not an island but it's an oasis i guess they call it um and then um san juan puerto rico and then uh st thomas and the british uh, united states virgin island sorry and then uh, uh st martin uh dutch island um all fantastic times uh, interestingly enough is we haven't get the, we don't get the, these folks uh, these places very often and I spent three of them just sitting on the beach. So <laughs> I could have gone anywhere and done that. Uh, but we had a fantastic time in San Juan. Elliot and I did. And then some of our other staff uh, played archery tag. Yes. Something uh, I didn't even know existed until. Sounds dangerous. We yes. created the Hunger Games. Yes. May the odds be ever in your favor. So if you haven't heard of archery tag, which I hadn't, uh, you get a bow and arrow. And now Joe was there to watch it. He didn't uh, participate. But um, uh, you get a bow and arrow. But the arrows actually have big marshmallows on the end. Uh, not real marshmallows. But they look like marshmallows, so you don't really hurt yourself too badly. <laughs> Although, I got tagged once or twice and, and thought about it. But it's yeah. nothing like dodgeball that no, I play with at home. No, so much less harmful. Um, yeah, full um, cardio workout. Yes. Wow, yes. It's, it's not made for old folks like us. I'll promise you that. And then, uh, of course, we get done, and our guide, who is like, what, 12, yeah. told yeah. us about this uh, Puerto Rican moonshine shot that we could take. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we, we, did, all, we did that. Um, and then uh, Elliot and then other folks went on an excursion that uh, I'll leave it up to them if they want to talk about it. I didn't uh, want to do it. Um, but I had a wonderful dinner and then finished up my favorite uh, scar shop. So that was a great day for, for us. So I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit more about that day. And, Sean, I don't know what you did in San Juan. but um, Yeah, yeah. We, was, did, we did a food tour. Oh, San there we go. It was actually really yeah. good. Yep. When we did another one in St. Martin. Two so, food tours. All yeah, right. San Juan nice. one was, was better. They went through. We just did a walking tour through all of it. The guy was great. And how many uh, places did you go? Uh, three places. So there's kind of an appetizer, uh, meal, and dessert. And there's drinks at all of them. So it was. It was Big fan included. of drinks at all of them. So what was the entree course? Uh, I don't know how to say it, but it was plantains and 
this chicken and and rice. Okay. They had some fancy name for it. We actually mashed Can we the mofungo? Oh, wow. Yes. Yes, mofungo. That's it. That's it. I didn't know what that was until this trip either, but <laughs> my dining companions loved it. Fantastic. So. Yeah, that's good. Did you do anything? I saw you did a food tour where? St. Martin as well? St. Martin. Okay. Yep. yep. That one's pretty good too. Um, not as many drinks, but, Ugh, but we stopped at a beach at the end, which was beautiful. Gorgeous beach. Out. Out of ways. Not the one by the airport. No, no we, airport. We drove through you, that okay. one. That one was terrifying. We didn't stay there. It's only like <laughs> yes. feet wide. Well, yeah. Here's an interesting <laughs> thing um, oh, God, that I was yeah. I was interested to see is obviously the hurricane came through what uh, two years ago, right? Yes. And um, devastated all these islands. Um, the one that got the most press, I think, was Puerto Rico, of course. Um, and I had to re- be re- reminded when I got here that San Juan wasn't the brunt of that, right? So. When I got off the ship in San Juan, I was very impressed to see. I could see almost no damage at all. I mean, anywhere we went, I didn't see too much. But St. Thomas is a different story. St. Thomas. And uh, St. Martin a little bit, too. And the two things I noticed the most were the beaches, because I've been to both those beaches before, and they don't exist anymore. (laughs) Yeah. A little tiny strip of sand. Exactly. Yeah, it moved all of the sand away. There was nothing to walk on. Hopefully it comes back for them soon, but. Yeah. It was definitely. Uh, our driver said that the uh, beach he expects within the next rainy season to have it all that sand come back. Oh, okay. It, it has in the past, and that's what he was telling us. Hmm. So that should be nice when you get back out there and have some room. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting you mentioned driver. One of my Uber drivers in San Juan was actually in a Puerto Rican boy band, uh, the Salsa Kids. Salsa Kids. He was uh, pretty, yeah, pretty good. Voice pretty too. darn good, actually. Yeah. So you know, bitter, but yeah, never had a celebrity Uber driver before, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I asked him if he keeps in touch with the other Salsa Kids, and I got a very Pointedly, firm no. no. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know what happened with the the Salsa Kids there, but um, and uh, so Sean, what did you guys do in St. Thomas? Anything? Um, we went to the beach. Beach. Okay. Yep. Just walked around a little bit. All right. Uh, yeah, St. Thomas, uh, not a lot to do there, I found. Yeah, we, we took the taxi across to the other side, to okay. the, the Me- Megan Beach. Okay. Yep. So that, that was nice. That yeah, was nice yeah. But the driving was crazy. Terrifying. Wow. Up through the mountains, around all these corners. Welcome to the Caribbean. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure their brakes worked. Uh, yeah, that's a gamble there. Plus, they, yeah, no stop line, no stop uh, lights, no stop signs. Mm-hmm. And a very freeform driving. Yes. Yep. I'll make all part of the experience, though. Absolutely. All right. Well, on board, we we played a lot of poker. Um, I actually played a little bit more than I expected to play. Finally, I got to play a Sean last night, which felt good. Um, and so we had an interesting discussion right before the show too about um, right before the main event uh, whether I was going to play or not. And I, I tend not to play tournaments on board. I try not to play cash games, really, to be honest, unless I need be needed to to get games going or keep them going. Or or last night when my seat's not needed, but. Um, it is an interesting challenge that Chris and I have had over the years of we've got Annie Up fans that listen to the show or read the magazine or what otherwise know us and come on and are looking forward to playing with us. And then we have a lot of passengers who don't know us from dirt, <laughs> other than we're the owners of the company and now we're sitting down to take their money. Um, and I never like my, my passengers just feel uncomfortable, so we are on the other side of not playing as much, but uh, unfortunately that means we don't get to play as much with the folks that want to play with us, so... Uh, we at least got a couple of good hands last night. We traded yeah. chips back and forth, right? So yeah, I don't remember yeah, who got the best of who, but you had the consent on one of them. That's right. Yeah, took me there. Eight ten suited. Yeah. Love it. Oh god. <laughs> but uh, I certainly remember my aces over your queens. Yes, that is right. Yes. So that I won't forget. 
Tit for tat, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let me uh, let me ask uh, Sean. Your first time on the cruise, so yep. what were your expectations coming in? What were the reality of it, and how does that compare? Because I know we have folks out there who have probably been thinking for ten years like you have about coming on a cruise. And yeah, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, much more like home game friendly feel, which is such a relief, especially when you're on a cruise. You want to go in there and just be super intimidated right. and have to be super serious all the time, but great group of people a ton of people that have been here before surprised i don't even know if i found anyone that hadn't been on here <laughs> i know there are a few there are there are some few. yes um but yeah the, the friendly game atmosphere was awesome the other thing that i hadn't heard of before were the survivor tournaments mm -hmm. where everybody starts and play for two hours and whoever's left splits the money which i cashed in both excellent maybe that's why i like them but and maybe I, we'll get on the was, show in time for you getting the next yeah one. it was just interesting i've never done that format before so that was pretty cool um, so, Elliot, from an uh, industry standpoint, I mean, Survivor tournaments aren't very popular in actual casinos, right? And they, they make sense for us here on the cruise because we need a finite end time, which is why we do it. Uh, you generally only find them uh, as part of uh, a scheduled event on a tournament series. Okay. Uh, you will find plenty of 10% uh, survivors, whereas you play down to the 10% of the field as opposed to having a time limit. Right, uh, right. The time limit tournaments. Almost like a satellite. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have basically kind of fallen off for the most part. All right. Not a common format anymore. And you made an interesting suggestion, and I'll be interested to see what Joe and Sean have to say about this. Uh, we've never done this way. We've always done a survivor where uh, you play for two hours, and no matter how many chips you have left, you split, split the prize pool evenly with everybody else. So if you have one million in chips and somebody else has five in chips, <laughs> you both get the same amount of money, right? Of course. Um, this cruise, our, it's interesting to me. It's all very interesting to me. This is our 36th or 37th cruise, something like that. And all of them are completely different. It seems like right? we can never like predict the crowd until we get on board. This, this crowd was a lot of cats hanging on to the curtains, right? Yes. There, there weren't a lot of like aggressive, um, get the money in and get out quick. There were people holding on. They and, were hoarding yeah. their last chip like it was worth platinum. Right, yeah. right. Now, you get it, I get it in the Survivor because, you know, again, you, you only need that last chip, right? You don't need more than one chip. You just but need you that last chip. you got to survive the blinds. You have to survive, right? So your, your suggestion, which uh, I'll see what Joe and Sean want to say uh, about this, is to combine our bounty tournament with the survivor tournament so uh, the other on our longer cruises we do uh, bounty tournaments uh green ship bounties um but um so your your idea is that that would kind of encourage a little bit more action correct? um yes when i format survivor tournaments we always put 50 percent of the money in the pool and 50 percent in the bounties so not only does it encourage you to actually continue to play in the tournament but it it actually you know, vastly increases the action uh the more chips you accumulate the more people you eliminate uh the more bounties you collect you can theoretically through the use of bounties get more than first place had there not been a, a sharing system in place plus you're also forcing people out of the tournament so we don't have a nine-way chop which we Absolutely. had yesterday um so you make more money that way so mm -hmm. what, do, what do you kids think about uh, adding the bounty element to the survivor i think it's not a it's a good idea because what I've seen, and I benefited on one of the trips from that, was someone just, I mean, just sitting there not playing, holding their cards like they're thinking, and then walking into the uh, that final four or five minutes and then cashing when in reality, you know, he should have played three or four more hands. Sure. 
and they would have been forced to play their blind, and that might have changed the outcome and knocked a few more people out. Well, I think interesting, yesterday I watched the end of it, too. We had one woman who had one chip left one chip, yeah. and was waiting for she the blinds to get blind. around, right? So, um, and, and she survived, and I felt good for her. She seemed very excited, too, and everybody at the table seemed very excited. Yeah, our group to share was them, too right? friendly. <laughs> exactly, right? But if you have that, that bounty element in, now I'm going to guess that there's somebody at the table was not going to be that nice in those last couple hands, knowing that if you raise and get her to commit, uh, you pick up an extra bounty and, and split that prize pool eight ways instead of nine ways. So, um, so yeah, I think we're going to think about that. In fact, actually, uh, Ramsey, our poker manager, um, we've um, we spent some time with Elliot yesterday talking about all the tournaments. I think we're going to revamp um, all of them in some ways. So I'll throw out some ideas because you've been, Joe, you've been on 47 cruises, even though you say it's only 10. <laughs> um, so we always do a $100 uh, main event, which is what's going on now, which we give the most chips. But comparatively to your normal casino tournament, we, we know we don't give you that many chips. But as Elliot will be the first to point out, it doesn't matter how many chips you start with. It's the structure and the chips. So right. you could how give somebody blind levels. What are the blind levels? Uh, much more important than the actual starting stack. We're starting with a million chips, but if the blinds are uh, 50,000, 100,000, you're not starting with anything. <laughs> That's not starting with anything, right? And, uh, and you have a tournament you were telling us about uh, up at uh, Hollywood Toledo that's uh, Our Uber 60, stack. 60,000 starting if stack. you're listening, we'll still take sponsorship. <laughs> I emailed you twice. You still haven't replied. Uh, 60K starting stacks, 10-minute blind levels. Uh, first blinds are 100, 100. Uh, and it goes well. Uh, it's easily our most popular evening tournament of the week. And you get, what, 60, 70 or so players? You usually roughly? get between 60 and 70 okay. sometimes. And it's about a four-hour, five-hour tournament, um, right? Just about four hours. Okay. Which is exactly what we try to do on the cruise ship and the, uh, with probably fewer players, depending on. So, so you've changed the blind structure to fit the time you no. want to end? No, 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 no. That's just the uh, uh, trials. Out. Yeah, we think we played it over so many months, and that was the average length of tournament. We didn't plan on having a four-hour tournament. My my dealers are scheduled for eight hours. Just <laughs> assume have there all eight hours. But that's the way it turned out, and it works out perfectly. The players are fine. They still got to go to work the next morning. Well, you're right because that's what a lot of players, when they say they want to play a long time, don't necessarily mean that. And when you give them a bunch of chips, because it's like, yeah. I had chips to play with now, but it's if the structure is such, it's still going to end in roughly four mm -hmm. or five hours. I think that's ideal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm one of those crazy ones that likes all the friggin' chips. Well, you're not the crazy <laughs> one. I, I I don't think you find too many poker players that wouldn't rather have more chips than fewer chips. Right. And I also don't think you would find all that many recreational players, which is what we attract on the cruise, that really understand how the structure changes that. So. We give you a hundred thousand chips, which we're actually thinking about. We probably won't go that far, but uh, I, I would imagine our players would be ecstatic, even though the tournament's still going to end the same yeah. amount of time because that, that structure is not going to be the same structure that we use now. But um, but that is kind of the reality of poker now. That uh, over the last what probably ten years, probably less than that, maybe where it's really gotten chip inflation, as I call it. Uh, it's yeah, just under ten years. Yeah, the Venetian came out with their deep stack events. Thank you, and uh, <laughs> everybody else has pretty much had to follow suit. The World Series tried to hold out, but even they gave in, and now they have vastly. But again, the interesting part of that argument is that I know I've talked to a lot of operators who have been kind of upset with the Venetian about that. But but then you go back to your point, uh, the chip stack is just one right. element in it. So exactly, we can alter the blind levels. We can alter the uh, the blinds themselves to make up for the fact that we're giving out way too many chips. Mm -hmm. And it's caused us to 
uh, buy more high-end and, and high-value denomination chips, and now we're stuck with an inventory of low-value chips that are now collecting yeah. dust all over the place. <laughs> so, in a, in a real sense, that's the only downside, the only true downside for a casino in, in this chip inflation is having to buy chips and not use chips you have, right? Yeah. Otherwise, as long as you adjust the structure to whatever you want. the storage of said chips. Well, true, uh, yeah. Behind the scenes in casinos and in the cages, I mean, every cubic foot is accounted for. I mean, we don't, we can only store inactive chips for so long. I mean, we, we eventually give them away as souvenirs. Hmm. But decommissioning chips is not an easy process in a, in a regulated casino. No, in fact, actually, I heard some places you have to bury them in concrete and stuff. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, or you have to have them shredded uh, under the supervision of, of multiple gaming agents. They got to start a fire. I want to melt. Uh, they're ceramic. Ceramic they're, they're, might they're, not, yeah, sure. Well, you could turn them into a like ghost, like Patrick Swayze and stuff. <laughs> oh, God. Do some pottery. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, man. All right, so, Sean, you're from um, western Michigan, uh, and I know you play in a home game, right? Do you get to yeah. um, Firekeepers or some other casinos often? or uh, are Gun mostly likes, Gun likes the, gun likes the closest, closest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Our yeah, advertiser? Yes. A couple. Yeah, I just noticed... Just the other day, I sent you a message yeah. with that. They had an Andy Up magazine sitting there, which I hadn't seen before. And but what yeah. do you play when you uh, go to the casinos? Are you a tournament, cash game, both? Uh, both. Lately, I've been playing cash game, but just to get ready for this. I don't. I normally play just home games. Okay. So I've been getting to the casino more to, to try it out and move up the stakes a little bit. So a question for both you and Joe in terms of the cash games that you guys play versus wherever you play them versus on the ship. What, what are some of the differences that you would say for folks that are at home wondering about coming on? Well, I've been playing a lot more home games um, rather than going up to the casino, which I used to do tournaments. I always played tournaments when I went to the uh, casino. So the one, we play one three here versus one two at home, and it's it's just a little bit bigger, for me anyway, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit bigger game that I'm still trying to get comfortable playing <laughs> Yeah, see, for me at my casino, we're playing smaller here with the one three. Okay. It was common at my casino for raises to be a ten fifteen at least for opening raise. Here they're seven, eight, ten. Sometimes they're more. Yeah. Of course, but I was a little intimidated at first. I was thinking it was going to be a big game, but you know I've been buying in for two hundred and and playing real comfortably. Yeah, the other comparison for me, like I said before, it feels much like more like a home game. But then with all the professional stuff taken care of for yeah, you. So right. it's super nice. So it's like you got a bunch of friends there, people you're just meeting, but they're all super friendly. And then, yeah, you got, you're taken care of well with the dealers and, and the floor and stuff. So Yeah, I think the first day on the open bar cocktail party, I was talking to your wife, and you, you mentioned that you heard there were some – you thought there were some pros on board, right? Yeah. Some, Has that played out? Yeah, I haven't – I've Judy, seen a couple Judy good was players. I'm saying that. I don't know. Okay. I haven't – no. I don't, yeah, I don't think any of them are pros. Did not experience that myself, no. but I didn't play as much Certainly as you guys. Certainly there's some yeah. good players, yeah, but I don't, I don't think they're pros. They're just... Yeah, and what I told you, yeah. and I'll, I'll tell our, our listeners at home if they don't know this, I mean, we, we purposely price our tournaments mm. um, to discourage that kind of player from being on board. Obviously, we don't do a litmus test. We don't ask you your experience level when you book. So, I mean, if you are a professional player, you can book and come on, but – um, my experience with, with folks that I know pretty well that are pros, when they ask me about coming on the cruise, they ask me about the tournaments, and I'm like, well, our main event's 100 bucks, and they laugh at me, and I'm like, good, I'm glad you're laughing, because I don't <laughs> I like you, I'd like you to come on the cruise and have fun, but you're not the type of player I'm trying to attract. I'm trying to attract that, that recreational player that's just coming on here and looking at fun, particularly on an eight-night cruise, because we were talking about that oh. just today, um, starting to see that 
some folks' bankrolls have evaporated towards the end of the cruise, which we don't normally see on a four-nighter. That uh, no, there's a few extra nights they haven't accounted for when they uh, yeah pack their wallets for the trip. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Now, obviously, I, I imagine there are players that are winning, so they're all right too. But you know, on the edges, you haven't seen it. So, Joe, um, all right. So again, uh, let's go with two ten cruises, even though we know it's more. Um, what have you noticed over the years in the changing of of our cruises from players or how we've done it or anything? Is there anything that's changed for the? I remember when it first came on, we were doing a lot of sit and goes right. and really people that were just starting to learn how to play. Right, right. And I think now it's still a lot of recreational players, but they play more often maybe is the term to use. Right. I think, I think they're more consistent players. And, yeah, we don't really see anybody that's, quote, a professional, but there's some people that play a tremendous amount of poker. Right. And but I, I think when you at the lower level like this is, they can't play the same way they play that they're normally used to. I don't think they have the big an advantage over this field because, I mean, just you know, short term luck has a, an indicator during these these short cruises. And if you know if you're playing regular, you don't have to get beat bad, and you know you got a good chance of walking over money. I'm doing all right, yeah. which I didn't do on this trip. <laughs> Uh, the other interesting thing, I was talking to a, a first-time couple that was on our cruise today, and, and he was playing the main event. She was, and she played a couple, I think she played her $20 rebuy, which I think we're going to scrap <laughs> now going forward. Uh, but she was talking to me this morning about how she's, um, and we get a lot of these these spouses, not always women, sometimes men, uh, that uh, know just enough to be dangerous, right? They, they know the hand rankings, they know how the blinds work. But they haven't played enough to really feel comfortable sitting, even in a twenty-dollar rebuy tournament. Um, and one of the things that she was worried about is like, you know, players don't know don't know how I'm playing because I don't even know how I'm playing. Um, and to my point to her was uh, that makes you pretty dangerous, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> it makes you very dangerous. <laughs> I mean, we no got, one wants to sit down and play got, against a pro, but we got seven deuce. Playing this cruise. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. One lady's, her favorite hand is seven deuce. She's playing it And she's hitting it. She's hitting it. In the money of the fine event. Really well. event. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, all right. So, Elian, I mentioned I want to talk a little bit about industry. So, one of the things I thought was interesting in, in our conversations this week is that you're getting ready to run your first short deck tournament yes. up at uh, Hollywood Toledo. Uh, we've so. had uh, plenty of our uh, our, our Tournament players ask for it. They've seen it other places. They've heard about it. What is this short deck game? Well, uh, in short deck hold'em, uh, there are a few new wrinkles. Uh, they take out everything below the, uh, below the six. So the deuces, trades, fours, and fives are out of the deck. So you, you're only playing with uh, 36 cards. Uh, I still can't get a, get a hand, I bet. It's really weird. And uh, to make the hands, there's two changes there. Uh, first... Uh, the ace does wrap around uh, the lowest card. Now the six to make the nine high straight, just like it wraps around the deuce to make a five high straight. Because remember, in poker, the ace is high. Unless you're playing specifically low or high low, ace is high only. So to wrap it around, that was an invention that started a long time ago, way after the game started. So in this game, they continue it. And in the second part, because there's fewer of each suit, uh, flushes beat uh, full houses. Hmm. If you get, yeah, if you can get, remember... <laughs> You're getting, instead of 5 out of 13, yeah. you are now getting 5 out of 9. Uh -huh. If you get 5 out of 9, well, congratulations. Yes. 
<laughs> you almost hit the lottery. Right, yeah. Uh, I have never played the game myself. Uh, I've played it as stud, where you take out everything below the seven. You Which I hadn't it. heard of until you mentioned that. That's Asian stud is still being played in a couple card rooms in California. Probably, yeah. That's because uh, it's California, right? <laughs> it's dollar ante. Uh, the, and then they play the big game, five dollar ante. And high card brings it in. Uh, and that's an exciting game. But I've never seen it as hold'em. I've heard about them. I've read about them. We're finally going to do it. Uh, the last wrinkle is there's no blinds. Mm. Uh, everybody anties. And uh, the player on the button, the uh, double ante. Oh, okay. So every round starts from first active left of the button. All right. All right, so here's my, my big question about that. I know that's kind of the new hot thing, but we've seen new hot things mm -hmm. every year for the last however long I've been in poker, right? Yeah, Paula so, Omaha has been the game of the future for at least the last 35 years. <laughs> at least that one's been holding on, again, like the cat on the uh, curtains, right? But some of these other variations have disappeared pretty quickly. Faded or at least, very quickly. At least disappeared from the casino environment, mm -hmm. largely. Like, we thought Open Pace Chinese was going to be the next right. big thing. And Down River Hold'em. Only being played on any of cruises <laughs> right. <laughs> among the staff, but... Um, so what do you think the staying power, well, two questions. One, I'm surprised the short deck ever made it out of like California and Vegas. So when you said it's coming to Toledo, Ohio, that, that means something to me, right? That means yeah, that it's there's already enough discussion that it's, it's getting on there. So then what's, what's the lifespan of, of short deck? Is this another fab I, like we've seen or not? I think it's another short lived fab. Okay. Uh, I think the game is well named short deck. I don't think it's going <laughs> to last a while. Uh, maybe... I don't even know if it'll last to the end of 2020. Oh, all right. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be catching on. It's catching on enough where people are asking about it. It's it's not just catching on where all of a sudden you see a short deck tournament with 500 players. And well, it is like everything else. So, I mean, you, you run your tournament at Hollywood mm -hmm. Toledo, and you might get 400 people. You might get 10, right? Exactly. So if you get 10, then it's mm -hmm. probably not going to be offered again, right? Uh, if you get 400, so. it's going to be on the weekly schedule, That's right? Darn right. So, uh, which I think is what happened with Open Face Chinese. Is everybody is excited playing at home, but when you actually had to... Right, we played that one tournament, the Golden Nugget, yep. with 80 of our best friends. And, yep. And, well, they tried it one more time, and that was it. Done. It, so. Yeah, I've seen it listed on Poker Go. It must have been some big tournament. Oh, really? For a short deck. And, yeah, I never knew what it was. And hearing that now, it'd be too confusing for me. I mean, you catch on to it, but... I have enough complications with, with Hold'em. Well, one of the things I like tell folks about these new games is if you're on the front end of it, you're going to clean up because mm -hmm. at that point you've got a lot of curious players, and I would admit I'm a curious player. I'll, I'll play anything if you teach me out once, and I think it's interesting. Um, I'm obviously not going to be very good at it at the beginning, and if you were better than me and you've got a bunch of me's in the game, you're going to clean up until eventually the game dies. So, um, so to that extent, if you're on the front end of these games, that's where your profit is, but you know, eventually it's going to dry up. Yeah. Or everybody's going to catch up to you to the fact that you're back to Hold'em. <laughs> well. Uh, and not that Hold'em's gotten any easier either now. So. No, it's gotten more difficult, but the, the knowledge difference is still not as great. You look at uh, Pot Limit Omaha, the knowledge difference was uh, vast enough where the, the game didn't grow. It's just that the people who knew about it could survive. Right. Everybody else died off. I uh, The games were that's have not continued their existence, like Open Face. The knowledge difference was so great that the money accumulated to too few players, and everybody else realized, this is not the game for me. Right. So maybe short deck will hang on. I don't think it's going to have a, a rosy PLO-type future. Right. All right, well, let's talk about Hold'em then, because we know that's never going to disappear. So Never, please, never. Interested to see, because Joe has been playing. How long have you been playing poker, Joe? Ten years. Really? Okay, that's, only ten years. Well, okay. I played cards when growing up, you know, stud and... But, 
Never for money. All right. And then no, Sean, you've been playing for how long? Since the boom. Since the boom. So, so all right. So 15 ish or so years. And you've been playing 25 years? 70, 80 years? Oh, oh, just okay. about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I had some work done. I'm looking a lot better. Again, I've been playing for maybe 20 years or so. So, uh, I was telling some people this last week. I'll be interested to see if you guys disagree with me, though. But um, obviously, I think we all agree that poker's changed a lot since we first started playing. Even 10 years, it's changed dramatically, right? Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I really noticed when I tell people is because if you're not a poker player, you 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 like to catch uh, latch onto these TV slogan things, right? Like poker face or bluffing and all that kind of, mm -hmm. um, and, and reading people, oh, he's got a poker tell and. Um, and so what I've been telling folks is lately, I think, not that that stuff's not important. It's still important. If you can get a tell on somebody and the physical stuff, that's still there. But the game to me seems like it's gotten way more, much more mathematical in the last couple of years than it ever has been. Um, obviously, limited poker has always been a math problem, but no limit's a little different, right? So the players I see doing really well now are, are more, I think, introverted maybe. Um, players yes. that, uh, that aren't as social as... Uh, the boom I mean, during the boom, right? We used to watch TV and we had all these characters on that mm -hmm. that got us excited. I don't think we're generating as many poker characters these days because the type of people that are playing now are are math whizzes, um, and math has taken on a, a much bigger um, role in No Limit Hold'em than it has in the past. So let me know if I'm wrong. I I think you're spot on. Uh, most of the players are wearing sunglasses and wearing hoodies. They're not saying a word realizing that they could possibly give away the least little bite of information by doing anything other than just staring straight ahead or moving their chips forward, uh, which has made the game less fun to play. Right. I mean, it, while playing poker is not sociable, you're not there to be nice and give away money, it is social. It's played amongst people. And somebody coming in like that who doesn't, enjoy the social aspect or participate in the social aspect of the game is they basically playing online poker except in a casino which yeah, much slower right <laughs> Real they're all taking the time yeah yeah which uh, makes the game much less fun so, have you guys seen that as well too or is that a figment of Elliot and I's imagination I think it's a, a little bit higher level because okay. at the at the rec the real recreational level all the guys I play with just play for fun. Most of them don't study the game. They they just they just come and play. Mm -hmm. And you try and give them information on some of the math and on some of the things they should be doing, and they don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they have no patience. They don't want to wait. They just they come down. The guys that come in on a infrequent basis because they can get to the game. Right. They just come and basically throw money at the table. Well, and, and this is, we talked about <laughs> this, not good. big money, it's not big money, but it's, you know, it's like, yeah, they, they're, they're not worried about it. And sometimes it bugs me because I'll sit there for an hour and I'll play a hand. And yet the same three guys are playing between each other and nothing changes until right. one of them goes broke. <laughs> well, I thought this was interesting. We did our, we brought back our strategy roundtable, which we used to do on a lot of cruises and then people quit coming and it's. Uh, this cruise, we had an entire day. We, we weren't able to open the poker room, but we had some time, so we brought it back. Unfortunately, not a lot of people showed up for it, but Joe was there. Ellie was there. I was there. And one of the things I, you mentioned, Joe, I thought was interesting was that uh, you, you are a consistent winning player in your home game with these folks, but you don't feel like 
you're growing as a poker player, or or you could, or, or it's, it's different hard, when you get hard, into other games. It's hard to expand and, right. and move out of, out of that level game because I just never did it. And um, before when I was playing tournaments, I was enjoying that, and I was moving up into some of the tournaments, but I just I still didn't go often enough to put enough money out there to see where the heck I'd really be. <laughs> So, Sean, do you see that in your home game? Do you guys – same same group of guys? Or I should say yeah. guys, same group of players, right? I don't know. If yeah, we have a pretty, pretty big pool, but the same same dozen or so mainly play. Um, we got a, a couple guys that that are a little higher level, and those are always fun to tangle with. And then if you guys well, – like my dad, he just comes in and then – he doesn't know what he has, so he's really yeah. hard to play against. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you either win a lot off him or, or lose a lot to him. Um, but we have a healthy mix. And at the casino, too, I'd say about half of them are just recreation. They're for fun. They're socializing. The other half are serious. They're into the math. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm i afraid that's going to grow more because usually the, the younger guys that are that are like that, and it's more the older generations that are a little more fun and they're not, not quite as, as serious. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I like getting to the math, too, and, and having that at times. But, um, yeah, I see, I see quite a bit of split. Well, yeah, and I've talked about this on the show because I'm in this new Safety Harbor Poker Club where I live with all these players that aren't very skilled. But it's fun to go there with a $20 bill and four cans of Miller High Life and just remember what poker used to be, right? <laughs> and, you know, if I if I win some money, that's great. If I lose 20 bucks, that's what I would have spent at the movies that night, right? So to, to me, there's an element of, of that. It's kind of cool that that's coming back in my life. <clears throat> at the same time, over the 14 years we've done this show, we get a lot of questions from home game people about that difficult step from moving from home game to playing in casinos. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's so difficult is you get used to playing with the same group of 10, 15, 20 guys, and maybe none of them or very few of them or fewer than you are trying to move up. They're just there to have fun. And I think it's very difficult in that situation to become a better player until you get out of that comfort zone and Go play with some other folks. Um, even coming on a cruise when you're meeting mm. different styles, even though it's not as yeah cutthroat as I it think might a lot of people places. will be surprised though if they just get out there and play a little more. The more you do it, like like I said, I started going to a casino a lot more right before this, and yeah, I had to play for like at least an hour just folding everything before I even felt comfortable to start getting in yeah. there. And then by the end of the night, it, it was feeling good. And then and then here too, especially when you get to know people, that's what makes it real fun when they start to socialize with it even if they are a higher level or thinking really hard on stuff the social yeah, I, players are what makes keeps the game alive and keeps, oh, keeps you playing when you're sitting and, there silent and i think it's one of the things that gets people into our room more often than that is the you know first two or three days you finally make friends and then i mean everybody mm-hmm. seems to know everybody by their name in there uh it's kind of feeling bad our our, our game last night was like kind of a library <laughs> i felt like i wish we could get the conversation <laughs> yeah, going yeah was right. tired. Was tired. never good but i think that's my what it is but I, I think that's a rare example here. I mean, usually yeah. when I'm walking around the room, even not playing, like all the uh, the tables are have some good conversations, and, and not just about uh, how many lobster tails they had at dinner that <laughs> night, but you know about real life kind of stuff. So, um, um, all right. So, Elliot, anything else from the industry that we have? With, uh, any new trends? Anything that um, things you're worried about? We got the uh, big blind Andy kind of sorted out. I know you had a Change your mind a little bit on that, right? Uh, I, well, I didn't change my mind so much as I uh, went with our corporate director. <laughs> uh, uh, having spent the, the good uh, good chunk of my playing uh, in actual stud games, uh, I was always uh, for Annie first. 
as opposed to any last. Uh, anti from the Latin before <laughs> it means it's supposed to go before anything else. It's supposed to start the pot so that when the cards are actually out, there's something to play for. So I was totally in favor of it. I uh, went along to go along. I mean, I, I didn't want to be giving out a different product than any of our sister properties. I work for a pretty big company. Uh, but I was very happy to see that we were able to, at least this year, coalesce around uh, changing the rule and adopting uh, Annie first, which is the way it should be. Um, I hope it stays there. I know a couple of casinos are, are really hesitant to make that change. Still holding out. Yep. They're really holding out, even whether it's button Annie or, or whether it's Annie last. Uh, I don't think it's right, uh, especially in a game where you, you can have no, no player on the button. Why would you want a button Annie? Now there's less chips in the pot. Sure. Uh, and again, for Annie last... Uh, sir, you can re-enter. Uh, everybody else paid your ante. It's your time to pay their ante. It's it's very, very fair. Uh, there's nothing fair about letting you have all the action but not covering the ante for all the players who covered, covered your ante. So uh, I'm completely in favor. I'm glad we made the change. I hope we stick to our guns. All right. One more thing I wanted to ask you about, too, that we're starting to see is the selling of casinos to real estate investment trusts and then leasing them back to the casino companies, right. which I think is an interesting development because um, uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Founder with Michael Keaton about sure. the history of McDonald's mm -hmm. where somebody, of course, it's the Hollywood version, right, but they encouraged him that his business isn't selling hamburgers. His business is owning land. Absolutely. Um, so now we're seeing the exact opposite going in the casino industry where – Casino operators are realizing, hey, our expertise isn't in owning the land. Our expertise is running casinos. So do you see that as a trend that's going to continue, or is that just more the financial realities of these big companies that are, are the ones uh, that are doing yes it? I think yes to both. Uh, I work for uh, Penn National Gaming, which uh, owns the original trust, uh, Gaming and Leisure Properties, GLPI. Uh, the two other main trusts are VICI, which is uh, Caesars. Uh, real estate trust and MGM's uh, trust is the third. Between the three, they pretty much own almost all of the land and facilities uh, in which 70 to 80 percent of the casinos in the country operate at this point. Uh, the other 20 percent are either the few independents left or the Indian casinos, which have no reason to sell. They already own everything, <laughs> including the land. Uh, they're doing it for taxation purposes. They're also doing it for uh, capital expense uh, upkeep. Uh, these companies have been fairly active in the mergers and acquisitions uh, uh, game, and that has left them with not a whole lot of spare change left to actually uh, update and maintain their properties. <laughs> uh, so they're doing what seems to be the equivalent of taking out second and third mortgages, okay. uh, borrowing against the equity of their homes, so they can finally keep them up to maintain shareholder value. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much more I should comment other than explaining this. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. What, what's what's the reality for players in all this? Because I think a lot of times players don't really understand. You know, you, if you're a player, you, you go to a casino, you stand on a poker table, and you play poker. You, you don't. You're not concerned about this corporate hierarchy or. Well, any of that kind of stuff. Is there any real effect on on players in this um, this development? I don't there can be, because, and I have experienced this firsthand. Uh, 
I work in a casino, and now I work in two casinos, where we don't own <laughs> what we're standing on or what we're hanging stuff on. So if I want to hang a television or a, a painting or a picture, or I want to change the furniture, uh, I have to run it up a pretty high flagpole. Yeah, okay. I have to ask the owners of the building, not just the people I work for. Hmm. So, yes, uh, players may see some changes, and it may not all be great because you may be waiting longer to see things done. But when they are changed, they'll be fun. They'll be fantastic. Uh, things will be kept up much, much better. Uh, Caesars was notorious for uh, letting some of their facilities go because they just couldn't put money into the capital expense budget. They had to pay interest. Right. Well, so, I mean, a lot of places will see uh, fantastic improvement and we'll see a great effect of somebody else owning the building and having that liability. Uh, for the most part, uh, nothing will operate any differently. Uh, the companies that are operating the casinos are licensed to operate. They uh, will keep doing things the same way they have been doing, and mostly it's been successful. Uh, so there shouldn't be a whole lot of change. Uh, some change will take longer, but most of it will be pretty good, actually. All right, so one last question before we, we quit. Uh, big debate in the poker world over re-entry tournaments, late, late registration that's uh, been going on. Uh, Matt Savage is uh, kicking off a, a big uh, no late entry, no re or one no re-entry, same flight series now, and he just put out uh, on Facebook and I assume on Twitter too, uh, hey, players, this is what you asked for. You need to show up and actually make it work because if you don't make it work, we got to go back the other way. So uh, let me ask uh, Joe and Sean, what, what what are your thoughts on late entry, re-entry? Are they important to you as players? If they disappeared, would you be upset? I would not be upset with them going away. I The one entry or two, I don't mind a second entry. Um, and I don't mind allowing people to come in within like the first hour. Me, even on a really big tournament, I think two hours is like kind of pushing it. And now they're going seven and eight levels and ten sure. levels. And that just it turns me off when I go to play them because it's like, you know, you're playing against the same guy three times. Right. Nah, I, it's not right. It's kind of like but an archery tag. Chips three times. Like archery so, tag with a medic. Yes. I'm like, hey, I already shot you with my marshmallow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Sean, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't really mind the, the late late entry. Um, I haven't really experienced too much of the re-entry okay. until now. I was a little confused here on the, the Survivor. Um, mainly, I've only just dealt with rebuy. Yeah. To me, that's very straightforward. If there's right. a rebuy, you're going to rebuy. And then I hadn't really even... I mean, I've heard about it in the poker world, but I hadn't experienced the, the re-entry thing. Um, it'd be nice if at least some tournaments that wasn't there, you know, so that players just get one shot and they'll just go for it. Um, that's what I've always liked, but I don't really have a big problem either way. All right, so Ellie, from the uh, industry standpoint, if, if if Savage wins on this and runs a pulls this off and players respond to it, is that enough for I'm it wishing to spread? Them all the success in the world. Uh, we're in a different age. There's casinos everywhere. Back in the day, there were only tournaments in Mississippi and Nevada and California. And, well, you traveled to the tournaments and you were already there. Well, now you're driving two, three, four, five hours to a casino and driving back. It's a big difference. If somebody's a few minutes late, 20 years ago, they weren't getting in the tournament. Well, 
Now, if they're driving through an ice storm and they finally make it to your place, I'm not in the mood to tell them no. As <laughs> <coughs> far as reentry concern is concerned, from my perspective, it's a negative because now you really can't budget your labor. You can't decide how many labor hours you're going to need to complete a tournament. You're not going to really have a handle on how many chips will be in play. It makes it a little more difficult. Yes, it's a challenge. Uh, that being said, remember from the player's perspective, if a guy has re-entered ten times, he doesn't have ten stacks in front of him. He's got one stack. That means he donated nine, <laughs> nine buy-ins to the prize pool. Please do not be upset if somebody's re-entering constantly. It's good for you. It's bad for him. He is underlaying the field. He, he has to finish so far ahead of, of the minimum cash to actually get his money back. He's only helping you. On the other hand, he's hurting the casino. Let's face it. It's going to take us a lot more time to get this tournament done. There's more chips in play. Sure. Uh, I hope he's successful. I hope it works. L.A. has how many millions of people living right. there? Yeah. With how many millions visiting on an annual basis? If it's going to work, it's going to work there. I was going to say, I mean, that, that's the biggest... Uh, lab beaker you can have for it, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, I mean, you could try this at, at Ben Lake. You could try this at Toledo. You can try this at, at even some of our places in Florida. But if it works there, it doesn't mean it's going to work everywhere. No. And this doesn't mean it's going to work everywhere either. But at least you're getting a, a much bigger sample size than I think you would in some of these other places. So. Well, and that brings us to the other end of the equation, the prize pool and the guarantee. Right. If you limit the entries... You have to limit the guarantee, <coughs> mathematically. <coughs> Excuse me. It's just like starting chips at construction. Right. They work in tandem, right? Yeah, darn right. So, um, the other big thing, of course, with inflated chip levels is pretty nice size guarantees on, on major tournaments, especially out in California. Well, if you're limiting entry, you can only put in so much money in a prize pool and get a guarantee so big, so... Hopefully the players can be satisfied playing a tournament with egads, no guarantee. Oh no, <laughs> the sky is falling. <laughs> so <clears throat> yes, I, I I hope it's successful. I'd love to rip some guarantees off these tournaments. Uh, part, of, tournament part of me wonders play. this, and I, I wonder how much you've thought about this too. I wonder how much the guarantees actually mean to recreational players. I mean, obviously for pros that are trying to plan their travel and they they do this for a living, I get that. They they want to know there's going to be a prize pool there. I honestly don't hear, and maybe Joe and Sean can disagree with me on this, I actually don't hear a lot of recreational players or, um, or even a step above recreational that sit around and, and worry about a guarantee. I, um, I think they, if they want to play a tournament, they're going to play a tournament. And if there's a big guarantee, that's great. But I, I don't, I don't, I've never heard anybody at my level say, I'm not going to play that because it's only 50,000 guarantees instead of 100,000. You're on to a lot of it. Uh, most recreational players are not worried about the – what the final outcome is going to be. But they certainly are attracted by something that is uh, what, what would be a good deal to anybody. Oh, oh. yeah. Let's say, like, a, a, I've never owned a new car. I bought one for my wife a couple years ago, but I've never owned one myself. I get all the little shiny new mm -hmm. things that it does, the, uh, the, the collision blinkers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I like it. But I get back in my 2002 car that has none of that. Right. And you know what? It drives just fine. So well, I'll give you firsthand experience uh, at Hollywood Casino Toledo. I'll say that very clearly. <laughs> uh, several times a year, we uh, run uh, major events. And the opening event is always something priced in the same range as a daily tournament. Okay. And we put a phenomenal guarantee on it. So 
it attracts a lot of players who are recreational who would not no normally worry about this, but all of a sudden they see the same the same price tournament they're playing every single week of the year all of a sudden has a guarantee 100 times what normally okay. we pay. That makes sense. They're very attracted by it. Right, right. They're not they're not thinking about oh well this translates into exactly 12,700. No, not even worried about any of that. But so in that sense, realize, you're saying that players that otherwise might be on the couch that night mm -hmm. or at a baseball game or a movie theater now because of the guarantee you're actually going to play. Yes. It's not so much a main event where they're probably going to play no matter what that exactly. guarantee is, right? Mm -hmm. I think I can put some perspective on it too for rec recreational players, just who aren't thinking about, oh, they'll probably have this many entries, this much money will be in the prize pool type of thing. Like, they have no idea. But then when they see the number up, they're like, oh, that's actually quite a bit of money, mm -hmm. even if the guarantees look always met, you know, but, but they don't think about that beforehand. So it is nice to... But would that encourage you to play or not to play that number? I guess that's my question. It has... A... Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm asking. Yeah, I, I've gone a couple of them where I know the prize pool is going to be fifty or a hundred thousand because I don't get to see that all the time okay. locally. And it's like, like the time I ran up with you guys, that one didn't bother me so much, but I think there was a guarantee on it, and that made it interesting. Right. And well, you were driving, well, I was driving sixteen hours or something to get there. So that's a different I was story, driving right? that far, but yeah. Yeah, I'm more concerned about the folks yeah. like in Toledo, in Detroit, in in that easy driving market, right mm -hmm. where. It's not a commitment to make that drive. And it certainly attracts that. Versus the, let's say, the Columbus, Cleveland, Indianapolis crowd. And not Indianapolis, but a little bit farther out of that. Now, now it's they're making a commitment for that day. Or, or even farther away, right? But Yeah, they're making a serious commitment. Booking hotel rooms. Uh, and major tournament guarantees. I mean, look at Firekeepers. Uh, not too far away from that mm -hmm. one. Now, Firekeepers, hell of an operation. They uh, they run an excellent tournament. They do great events. Uh, a couple times a year, they're running a million dollar guarantee, and, and I'd imagine that number in that area has attracted a lot of people to make the drive. It's not. I mean, Firekeepers in, is in less of an area than Toledo is. Yeah. But yeah. it's close to everything, and it's situated uh, exactly halfway between Chicago and Detroit. So, I mean, they get a lot of pull from places where people actually do live. Which goes back to the, this is more of a geographical, mm -hmm. right? Because we, we yeah. talked about this at the TDA. Like, Sean McCormick from Aria got up there and said, hey, there are 40 other poker rooms in this city. i got to mm -hmm. do what i got to do to keep people in my room because it's too easy for them to walk next door versus a casino in the middle of nowhere where Darn right. it's the I only mean, place to play. So If firekeepers didn't do that, they would probably uh, lose a lot of their uh, business to uh, the Chicago casinos running their major events. And they run lots of major events. So, I mean, if they didn't make their mark, they wouldn't get the attention. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to wrap up here. I just uh, want to thank Sean and, and uh, Big Joe and Elliot for joining us, uh, on not only on the show, but on the cruise as well, too. Uh, we got three more coming up, but we got a four-nighter in April out of Tampa over Easter weekend. Both uh, Joe and Elliot are going to be on there. We Absolutely. haven't talked Sean into it yet, but... It's not really an anniversary, right? Anniversary and a half, maybe. We'll see. Um, next uh, May 2nd will be a 15-niner transatlantic to Amsterdam. We also got some good bookings, and I think we talked Big Joe into the, coming on that as well, too. So I'm feeling pretty excited we're going to have enough to make that happen. I hope so, because I've been planning my post-Amsterdam party <laughs> also on this cruise. And then a year from now, in October, we'll be doing a 7-niner out of Galveston. So go to andyupcruises.com, get all that information, and book. 
And uh, we'll be back next week with our regular show. But yeah, uh, I need I need that April cruise to make diamonds so I can go. Everybody has a diamond. <laughs> get all your free drinks. You gotta get a free drink for change. <laughs> oh god. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys, and uh, we'll see you on a future cruise. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.